Awesome. Man, it's such an honor to be able to be a part of things like that. Uh, I've got to go to a few of those trips, and uh, I think it's somewhere close to the 30th home that we've actually paid for as a church, bought, and, and presented to these families in need uh, in Mexico, which is amazing. Um, and so that's kind of really, really an amazing. And I'll tell you something, when you see the, 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 the faces of these families, um, and I remember one of the houses that I was a part of, it was David and Jonathan. I still remember these kids' names. This was probably almost 10 years ago. And I just remember they were living in like um, this, these crates, these like sod crates, this mother and these two little boys. And it was just heartbreaking. It was sod crates and like a tarp. And she would um, peel carrots all day just to take care in this village. And when you saw uh, their faces, that they would have a home and protection and the safety they would need. It just, it's just such a beautiful thing. What, a, what, a, what, a, what an amazing opportunity we have as a church, right, to bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth and to help uh, so many people. And it's just great. So I'm proud of all you guys that are a part of that. What a, what a great honor. Uh, so many amazing things happening, right? We got this back-to-school bash. I heard my son here, you could possibly win a switch, so both of my kids are going to try to go to a youth group that night. I know you guys are excited uh, about that, and the women's conference is just amazing. This is probably the biggest event we've ever done uh, at our church with, with its two-day event, about this national communicator. What an amazing uh, story that she has, and, and just an incredible, massive party. Uh, great time to have time with your girlfriends and get to know uh, the Lord in a better way, so I want to encourage you because it will sell out. Last year, it was too is wall to wall so if you don't don't procrastinate like I always do with everything in my life uh, because I would hate for you to actually miss uh, miss uh, being a part uh, of that but it's going to be awesome we just can't wait so many great things as always I love to welcome welcome our Boynton campus I love you guys and everyone at church at home and it's just such a reminder to us that we are one church um, in many locations some of you don't know there's like house churches that are watching this in Canada and college campuses and they gather together in small groups and uh, and, and kind of participate so it's just neat to be this community community all over, um, impacting lives, and just, it's a pleasure and honor to be a part of this with you guys, and I just love what I get to do. Amen? All right. Well, we, we're in a series, and, and the series we're in for is this idea of we're made for more, and it's, it's kind of coming to this point individually where we begin to recognize that every one of you were actually created on purpose for a purpose, that you're not an accident. Like it wasn't like some cosmic thing that you just hear that, that you, there's a reason you exist and you were created on purpose and for a purpose. And the reason we're talking about this is because it is so easy in a world where we love to compare our weaknesses to everyone else's strengths because that's what social media is. They're highlighting their highlights and then they make you feel, well, I'm not as good as that or whatever it is. It's easy to look in a world where we now know the universe is so massive that at times in our lives, it, we can struggle with trying to understand, but where do I fit into all this? Like, does it really matter that I am here? Does God even know me? There's billions of people and billions of planets, stars, and all of these things. And, and it's easy to drift in this life and somehow begin to wonder, does it all matter? Like, do, do, does my life have a purpose and a meaning? And the answer is, yes, it does. You were not an accident. You were created on purpose, uh, for a purpose, in the image of God. Jesus actually tells us that God's so intimately connected to you. He actually knows the number of hairs on your head. That he has a purpose and a plan and a future for every single one of you. He's adopted you into his family because he loves you and you are a part of his family and you are a child of God. And so the reason why we're walking through this series is because it matters that we get this. And it matters we take it even a step further. It's not just general, I'm a child 
child of God, but we actually begin to understand specifically, but why did God create me? Psychologists tell us, and we looked at this last week, over that when people understand their purpose, the why that they were created, it helps them in so many ways. It helps them be more successful in business. It helps them overcome strongholds in their lives and past mistakes because they realize, hey, my life matters. It helps their health. By the way, for students, when kids begin to draft this and begin to understand they matter, it helps their grade point average. It helps so many things because you know what? Because you know what? Even as a middle schooler, high schooler, you've got a purpose. Many of the disciples, all scholars believe, were actually teenagers, and Jesus charged them with changing the world. So you matter no matter where you are in this life. And so what our heart in this series really is, is begin to understand, so what? So why did, create, why did God create me? Because your parents may have given you a body, but God gave you a soul. God gave you a spirit. That's who you are eternally. You are more than flesh and bones. And so we're going to step into the series week after week, and we're going to kind of begin to answer that question, why did God, if you will, create me? So last week, we, we looked at this idea that the primary purpose, the number one of all things, what everything else is built on is this primary purpose. Here's it is. The primary reason God created you in his image is to be loved by God and to love God that he wants to love you and for you to love him. That's the primary reason. That's why when Jesus was asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment of all time? What does God want more than anything else? Jesus does not respond with an action to serve him, to obey him. No, what God wants more than anything else is for you to love him. Because the heartbeat, the most important thing for God, your father, is that he created you not to serve him. He didn't create you simply to do some sort of task. He can have angels do that. He created you because he loves you. And he, what he wants more than anything in life is actually to be loved by you. And we kind of looked at this, like even in our own lives, for every one of you that have, have decided to be parents or your parents or you want to be. We, we looked at this from the same perspective. Why did you create your children? Like you didn't create children in your image to mow your yard. You didn't create children in your image to do the dishes that they probably messed up and left in the sink in the first place. You, you didn't create children in your image to, so they can one day pay you money or do this thing. Why did you do it? You created a child in your image because you desired above all else to love that child. And you would go through all of the terrible twos, the teenage years, and all the stuff that goes in between because you love that child. And what is the greatest thing you desire back? You want to be loved because you created a child in your image, not to serve you, but you created a child in your image so that you could love them and be loved by them. And the primary purpose, and you've got to get this, everything else is connected to this. Everything else is connecting us as humanity, understanding we were not created simply for a task, although there's things God has called us to do, and they're awesome. We'll look into that in the next few weeks. But you, primary purpose where God created you is because he loves you. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to love him back. He wants to spend eternity with you. He adopted you. He forgave you. He did everything in the world so that you could be his child and he could be your father. And then he wants a relationship with you. And that is the primary purpose why you were created. Now, the second purpose we're going to talk about today is actually connected to the first. It's because he loves you, he wants you to do this next thing. And so the next thing that you were created for that I want you to see is this. Here's what it is. To be transformed, to become like Jesus. In other words, that God actually, one of the purposes he did in your life is, is he created you because he wants to mold and shape you to become someone amazing, incredible, to literally be transformed into the image of Jesus. 
And I love this for a moment because I want you to contemplate this with me and think about what this means. You see, um, I love the fact that when God called us into a relationship with him and he looked at us, that he looked at us in the middle of our brokenness, right? Because none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. He looked at us with not a lot to offer God. And he loved us so much that he goes, hey, here's what I want to do in your life. I want to take this invitation to invite you into this process where I can actually transform you into something special. In fact, I love you so much just as you are, like you're broken. I get it. I love you as you are, but I love you too much to leave you as you are. And so let's get to work because I've got something special in mind for you. And and I want to transform you into someone pretty amazing. You know him as Jesus. You saw how he lived and he walked with the integrity and the authority and the compassion and all of the character and all of the strength and all of these things in his life. And here's what the good news that I want to give you is your father, God, you have the ability to become like him. Listen, this is not my words. This is not me just giving you some self-help motivation. Look at what the scriptures actually declare. Listen to this. For God knew his people in advance. And he chose them. So what did he chose you? What is your purpose? To what? To become like his son. Do you realize the bar that God has just set for you? Do you realize the potential that he has spoken into your life and your existence? And no matter what your dad said you never would be, or your wife, or your wife said you never would be, your husband said you'd never be, or your mom said you'd never be, your boss, you fill in the blank. No matter what negative words were spoken into your life that you were never going to be and you're always going to be whatever you are, I love that God spoke this into your life. says, no, 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 no. Here is your potential. It's to become like a son. So the son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God is building a family, right? See, your purpose is not just an action in what you do. It's who you are. It's a child of God. And I love that you see this over and over again in Scripture. And he says, listen, God is building this family. And what he wants to do is he wants to give you the potential. And he wants to help you step into this amazing human being that you could be. <clears throat> To literally become like Jesus. And having chosen them, that's you guys. He called them, that's you, to, to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing of themselves. He forgave you. And I love this next part. And having given them right standing, he gave them what? His glory. Like, he, like, like I, lo I love what he's saying to you. <laughs> Do you see the image? Like, I just love this plan. He goes, guys, I love you. And I love you so much. Um, in, in the middle of your brokenness and all of your junk and all of your issues, right? Because all kids are a mess, right? We're all, all, all children need help, by the way. And, and he's, I love you so much like that, but I love you too much to leave you like that. So here's what I want to tell you. Your purpose is I want to take you, no matter where you are, whatever level of brokenness that you are or growth, and I want to invite you in this journey, and I want to grab your hand, and I want to lead you and help you to become someone so amazing that you actually reflect the glory of God, that you begin to look like Jesus, that you have the character that people look and they respect, that your children are honored by your last name, that your wife looks at you and go, I respect this man. Your employees look at you and go, I want to be like my boss. What an amazing, like God said, I have something so incredible for you, and I love you so much that I want to take you on this journey to step into your second purpose, and that's to become like Jesus. Now listen to this, listen to this. I remember what it was like. I was, uh, I think it was like in the fourth grade, and um, I remember this first time this coach began to believe in me when it came to the sport of basketball. And to kind of start the story out, I was in the fourth grade, and I still remember this, like, I remembered as of yesterday, I was sitting on the bench where I sat on my basketball team at that time, 
And I was sitting in an outdoor court. It was at night. And I'll never forget this moment. There was like a couple minutes left to go in the game. And there was a rule that every player had to play so much time. And it was a really, really close game. And because I was the worst player on the entire team, um, they didn't want to put me in. But now there's two minutes left, and it's a really close game. And so the coach had to put me in. And I'll never forget this moment. As I was on the bench, the coach is like, oh, crap. Scott, you got to go in. And I remember one of my friends, his name is Brian. I remember it like yesterday. And Brian goes to the coach, oh, no, no, not Scott. Don't put him in. Thank you guys for laughing at my, my embarrassing humiliation. I appreciate that. It means a lot. But listen, I remember this. Like, I was in fourth grade. Like, you realize, I can remember the clarity of this. And I remember, listen to this, I remember the rejection I felt too. By the way, words have power, just so you know. That's like, you know, 20 years ago. And... Um, <laughs> And I remember this. So, so I took that, that rejection. I'm like, okay, I, I, I want to get better. So I started to play a little basketball. I started to shoot a little bit. I started to, to play sports because I didn't want to deal with that again. I didn't want to be the worst. I didn't have to be the best, but I didn't want to be the worst. And so I, I began to work on it. And I remember uh, playing on my, my school team. And I remember this coach saw something in me. And I remember this coach looked at me, and, and he basically said to me, hey, listen, I, I see a potential in you, at least as much potential as a 5'8 kid that can't jump could have. <laughs> And, and he goes, I see potential in you, and listen, and if you will let me help develop you, I think you could become a very good or great basketball player. I remember him saying this. He believed me. He goes, here's what I want you to do, and he gave me strategies. I want you to run track because you need to get like, in better shape. I want you to dribble a basketball a lot because you need to become one with it so you're not thinking if you're going to be a point guard because you're too short to be anything else, right? Like, you, if you're going to be a point guard, you got to become so good at the dribbling, you're not thinking so you're seeing the court the entire time. And so I would dribble the basketball to school and back every day. That's how I got to school. I would dribble basketball there and dribble basketball back. And he goes, I want you to work out and get in shape. I want you to shoot. And I remember him running after me with like a broom. So you shoot over the broom. Not he wasn't going to hit me like if somebody was like upset. He, he was running. <laughs> Actually, he probably would have hit me when I missed to motivate me. There you go. It was an old, different times back then. All right? He'd be arrested now. But, uh, <laughs> but it motivates you. But what was he doing? Here's what I want you to see. What was he doing? He saw something in me. And he took the worst player on the team to the next year I was the leading scorer. And then I became the captain. And for the rest of my middle school and high school year, I was the leading scorer and captain of every team I played on all the way through. And here's why. This is what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. And I want you to hear this. Here, I want you to see this. When he looked at me in that, as that younger kid and he saw potential in me, what was he also saying to me? I see things you're not doing right. See, we love the word potential. It makes us feel good. It's positive. But potential really means is you're not realizing it yet. <laughs> Because what the potential is a very polite way of saying, you're not there. You've got to change this, and you've got to change that, and you've got to change this and get better at this, and you've got to grow in this area. See, potential really means you're not there yet. And so what I'm going to do is I want to help you get there. And here's why this matters. Because how I filtered that coach by speaking that into my life, that you're not there yet, but you can get there. The way that I filtered that was not, you're not good enough, you never will be. I don't love you, but if you become good, then I will. How I filtered that was, hey, he believes in me. And because he believes this, he has the potential in me, even though I'm not there yet, he wants to help me get there. Here's why I say this. Listen, let's hear this, hear this, hear this, please. This is so important. Because this is exactly what God does in your life. And so often we filter it through the lens. God is mad at me. Here it goes. I read the Bible again. Another thing I need to change. Oh, great. Pastor Scott's telling me something else I'm not doing right. Because you're not doing it right. I'm just telling you right now. There you go. 
And so what happens is religion can become this moment where it's like, well, God's not happy with me, and he wants to change me. My wife definitely wants to change me. My parents want to change me. My boss wants to change me. The pastor wants to change Everybody wants to change me. And by the way, that is a true statement. Everybody does want to change you. But what I'm trying to say is we filter it through this reality of sometimes what we feel is, well, God, you're mad at me. You don't love me. I messed up. I can't pray with you. I can't even talk. How can I worship you, God, knowing all of these struggles? And so we filter through this idea of not of God stepping in our lives going I need to correct some things I need to transform your life and we shift that and hear it through the lens of God saying I'm mad at you you're no good you're not valuable you're worthless I can't use you look at all the problems in your life and can I just listen if there's one thing you get today is this you need to shift that filter in your life to this invitation of the creator of the universe who loves you in all of your sin and brokenness so much he died for you in your brokenness, who's now coming alongside of you as a father, as a coach, going, I see something in you. And yeah, we're gonna have to deal with some things because you have some work to do. But let's get to work because I love you and I wanna transform you into be everything that God created you because that's the purpose that you were created. You were designed and created by God to step into, to reflect the glory and the image of who his son is and to many of us are settling for less than that. Too many of us accepted the fact, well, this is just who I am, and this is who I'll always be, and God, you must not love me, and that's why you want to change me. It's the opposite. In fact, let me just make this statement. I want you to hear this, and that's this, is that God wants to transform you because he loves you, not, not so he can love you. And, and, and this will be one of the most powerful filters that we need to put on our minds and how we filter information, because we always filter information in order for us to step into the glory that God has for every one of us. And I say glory, not in an arrogance, I'm better than, but the glory of going, now I've stepped into the, the, the spiritual authority to overcome the brokenness and be more like Jesus when it comes to my life. And when we only see God and God's word and preachers, if they're just trying to tell me all the things I'm doing wrong, and we don't see no, what they're trying to do is help you step into everything that you created to be. And it's so important to see this filter. Think about this. What kind of father, what kind of father would, would look at his children and not correct and help train them and prepare them for life? Now listen, I, I know that some of you, and my heart breaks this, I know some of you um, didn't have fathers like my father and mother who were always there and were so grace and kind and loving and patient and all of these things, mostly with my sisters, but they were like that, <laughs> incredible. And, and I say this in, 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 with a heavy heart because I know a lot of you have had mother and dads that maybe they did love you, but they just didn't know how to express it. They had so many of their own issues and stress. They were so broken on the inside, right, that it flowed out and, and hurting people hurt people. And so maybe you can't understand this, but I want you to imagine for a moment like who God is or maybe what you think your parents should be like. Because here's what I want you to think about. What kind of loving father or mother would have a child and look at that child and see brokenness in that child? or things they need to grow and say, well, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm gonna let them learn that on their own. I'm gonna let them just suffer through life and they'll figure it all out. I don't wanna like train them. I don't wanna correct something that could cause pain. Like seriously, when, you, when, when you're a parent, what do you, you, you potty train children, don't you? Now, do you, have you ever met a child that wanted to be potty trained? No, I'd rather sit here and do it while I watch Paw Patrol. I don't wanna be disturbed. Doesn't bother me a bit. Like, I just, I'm still, even while you're changing me, I'm watching TV. This is great. But, but as parents, we also understand that's going to be pretty awkward in middle school, isn't it? 
Like that's going to be a roadblock to their success at some point in their life if they don't get that right. So what do you do? No, I, I know you don't want to go on the potty. I know I'm going to have to bribe you with candy or discipline you and do all of the above just to get you to do what helps you. But what does a good parent do? But I can't let you stay that way. I've got to prepare you. Hey, I know you don't want to eat broccoli or vegetables in general, and chicken nuggets are the best food that you can get. I get it, and pizza, maybe french fries along with that and some ice cream. But if that's all you eat, like that's not gonna be good for you. And so yeah, I'm gonna have to force you to eat some things that you don't wanna eat. Do you hear that, Scotty and Tommy, just real quick? There you go. Anybody have kids that are a pain in the butt about their food? I'm just curious right now, because my kids take the cake. Like they literally will eat like two things, chicken nuggets and pizza. And, and that's about it. Anything else is like, ma, we have to like, like threaten them sometimes or bribe them just to be able to eat healthy. But listen, as a parent, if you love your children, aren't you gonna make them eat things they don't wanna eat because you know what's best for them? When it comes to going to school, how many kids would rather play video games or go to school? But you want them to, to, to go to school because you want them to move out of your house at some point. Um, <laughs> But, but, but part of it is you're like, I need to prepare them for success in life. And so what are you seeing? And I want you to see how, how many parents protect their children from what they, um, what they watch at a certain age. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want that to be awakened in them. I want to protect their, their innocence as long as we possibly can in this messed up world. I don't want them to battle with this. What do we do? How many kids, parents, let their children play in the street? What do we do? We create boundaries. We create things. But what's the purpose of it? It's because we love them, Right? And we love them so much that we walk in. And by the way, good parents don't raise children. Good parents actually train up good adults. And there's a very difference for that. And, and so what we need to understand is what are we doing? As God steps into our lives and he's doing something, what are we doing? We're not doing that so that we can love our kids, although they become much more lovable when they do those things, right? We're not doing that. We're doing that because we love them. We're going, hey, you don't want to stay like this when you're 15, so we're going to start the process of preparing you for success, and that's what God does. But we need to, it's what's the filter. The filter is not so that I can love you. It's because that I do love you. Listen to this. Even discipline. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not enjoy disciplining my kids. I don't. They do not enjoy being disciplined. They don't. But why do I do it? Because I understand something about life. And one of the things I understand about life is that when you don't learn to surrender to submit to authority, I know sometimes authority can be bad. Just to take, take it out. But if you don't learn to submit to authority, you're never actually going to get into authority. And if you don't learn to submit to God's authority then listen to this. You will miss out on everything God has and wants to do in your life because he can't take you on this journey of your second purpose if you don't surrender control to him. So the only way he can lead you is you actually go, I'm not gonna lead, I'm gonna surrender authority. So now what do I do? I have to teach my children, hey, when, when we, we follow what God says or we obey mommy and daddy because they're an authority over you. And God's never wrong. Mommy and daddy could potentially be, but you're gonna learn to honor and obey authority. And that means when you don't do it, there's gonna be a consequence. So why do I discipline them? Because I wanna train them, right? Like, and I'll actually use pain and punishment that I don't want to do. I had to take one of their video games away for a week, and it was like, it was like somebody died in our house. It was depressing. <laughs> like, it was like, it was, it was brutal walking around the house. It was like, oh my gosh, everyone is now miserable because of this one punishment for like three days. And I'm telling you, it was awful. And, and so, but why do I do that? Why do I even subject myself to a house that's been, because I know in the long run, it's more important who he becomes. And, and I need to use discipline to shape him because I want the best for him in his life. Listen to what God is saying to you. Hear this, because some of you, we need to get this. Listen to what the scriptures say about discipline. 
And have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as children? Remember the whole goal of everything, right? To transform you to become like Jesus from glory to glory, to make you amazing. He says, don't forget the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. Now, why is he saying don't give up? Because sometimes God's corrections are hard. He's not saying don't give up because God's like, now, 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 five minute time out. He's saying, hey, you you didn't surrender that relationship, so I'm going to take it. Hey, you didn't honor me in your business, so it's no longer yours. Hey, hey, you you wouldn't bring me into that area of your life, and so now the enemy is because you're slave to who you obey. The scripture says, and you chose not to obey me, and you you gave up my ability to lead, and you chose this. So he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to, when these moments happen, when you're like, God, where are you? He goes, I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm being a father. And I'm actually using this discipline and this pain to actually shape you. In fact, listen to what he says. I love the end of this. For the Lord disciplines those he what? What's that word? He loves and he punishes. I hate that word. Each one he accepts as his children. Do you realize that one of the greatest training grounds that God can use to train you to be who you need to be is actually pain? I wish it wasn't, by the way. But how many of you sometimes don't change until the pain to stay the same is greater than the pain to change? Anybody like just a glutton for punishment like me? It's, it's funny, but it's amazing to me how many times it's like, so, so all of a sudden you come, oh, I want to change. I want to work in my marriage. Why? Well, they filed for divorce. Well, what about the last five years? Well, why? why I want to honor God in this. Why? Well, because I'm about to lose my business. Like, oh, I want to be a good parent now. Why? Well, because all my kids don't even want to talk. My point is, there's something about us as human beings that for whatever reason, that pain sometimes is the only thing that can slap us hard enough to go, okay, I give up, God. I surrender. Here you are. And what God is saying to you, listen to me, I'm being your dad. Because the most important thing in your life is not what you do, but it's who you become. Because the second most important principle, I think, in your life or purpose is God wants to transform the image of his son. And yet he will use pain. He will use trials. He will use the moments of your life where you're going, God, why why not? Where are you? I doesn't even see like you're there in my life. Why did this happen and that happen? And God's going, here's what I'm doing. I'm teaching you. I'm actually like a wild soul. I'm breaking you. So you stop trying to lead and you let me take the lead of your life. Because what I want to do in your life is I want to transform you into the image of the glory of my son. And because I'm your parent and I love you so much that I'm inviting you into this journey. But sometimes on this journey, we don't want to give up everything we need to give up. And I'm going to have to use discipline in my life. In fact, here's why. Notice what God says he wants to do in you. For you are God's, what's that word? I want you to hear, I want you to say it out loud. What's that word? Say, I am God's what? Say it again. That word means he's workmanship. He's working on you. He's doing things in you. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. One of the most important things that we need to see and walk through faith if you want to step into your purpose is you have to start viewing God as the person or the being, if you will, that is seeing you not as a failure and pathetic, but as a masterpiece that he needs to chip away thing after thing after thing. So as you step into in your life, you become the man or the woman that God has designed you to be. Because God has created you not just to be a better version of yourself, but to actually become like Jesus. And in that process, there's going to be some chipping. There's going to be some correction. There's going to be some moments where God needs to mold and shape who you are. Not so that he can love you, but because he does love you. And he's inviting you to go on this journey with him. In fact, listen to this. I want you to see how all throughout the Bible, 
You see God over and over again basically give you tools to become like Jesus. I want you to look at four real quick. We're going to look at really quick, and we're going to look at four things that God is doing because at the end of the day, why? Because he believes in you. He knows who's in you. He knows who you could become. He knows what awaits you. And I want you to see how he gives us these things. There's four we'll look out today to actually help you become like Jesus. And here's the first one if you're taking notes. The first thing he gives you is actually what I like to call patience or grace. In other words, that there's this moment in our lives when we go, okay, God, I believe that, you know, Jesus died for me, and I accept him. I'm a Christian. I get baptized. And it's like, okay, God, I'm so excited. But on the other side of that, here's what we discover. Even though we're a new creation, we're now God's child, and we're forgiven, and all of these great things. When we come home, guess what we still are? <clears throat> we still struggle with the same issues, don't we? We, 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 we still, we get home and go, why am I still angry? <laughs> Why am I still selfish? Why is it so hard for me to admit I'm wrong? Why is pride still there? Why am I still anxious, right? You ever, ever walk through that? Like, so the idea is that when we become Christians, we don't immediately become like Christ. We, we become Christians, we get the potential, we get God's spirit, we get grace, forgiveness, we get all that, but, but we don't necessarily in the next moment become, what happens, what you discover is, listen, the process of being transformed is actually a process, is actually a journey. And, and, and what we need to understand is that God's patience and grace are so important in this process. Look at this. I want you to look at this verse, and I love this. He says, don't you show contempt for the riches of, of God's kindness towards you. Like, he's kind to you, even when you don't deserve it. The forbearance and patience, not realizing, listen to this, that it's God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. That word forbearance, you know what that means? It was actually used in the Greek word to, to call a truce. And I love this because I want you to realize something about your father. He's kind. He's good to you, even when you don't deserve it. And even in those moments when you're trying to get it right and you're not going to get it right, in fact, you're going to get it wrong a lot of times, you're going to fail. How many of you right now ever struggle with not doing the right thing still to this day? I'm curious. Just I'll put both hands up. The rest of you didn't raise your hand. You actually lied, so now you can raise your hands. <laughs> or you're not self-aware and you need to see a counselor, or either one. But, um, you know, and if someone was raising your hand for you, that's a really bad sign. But, but I love what God's saying, because here's this heart, right? Here's what I'm saying, right? Here's what he goes, hey, so what I want you to know is, is that I'm not that angry judge that every time you fail is going, look, you're a failure, you're messed up again. All right, I'm coming here ready to just like whoop you for your failures. He goes, here's what I want you to do. I, I've given you patience and forbearance. Here's what I mean. I'm going to give you patience in the process because you need it, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to call this truce. That when you begin to fail, and you're going to fail, and you let me down, and you let yourself down over and over again, I will be there to lift you back up, not push you down. I'm going to lift you up, then not push you down. I'm going to lift you up. I'm not going to push you down. See, it's the grace of God. And here's the reality. Listen to this. We can't do without that. Because if you don't understand God's grace, you're going to be like me, and you're going to start on the journey. And I remember this, going, okay, God, I want to get my life right. This is great. And then Monday morning rolls around going, I did it again. What's wrong with me, God. Like, why am I still filling the blank? Okay, I'm never going to do it again. I did it again, God. It was 48 hours this time, so I was doing, doing better, right? But like, man, I just, I did it again. And you see, it's over. The righteous man, the Bible says, falls down seven times, but he keeps getting back up, getting back up, being back. But see, without grace, you can't get back up. And I love what God is saying to you is, hey, listen, I understand there's going to be the process. Like, I, I, I fully get, when you come to me and go, God, I, I'm your Lord, I realize you're not going to, in a moment, become Jesus. It's going to be a journey. And, and listen, it's going to be a journey for the rest of your life. And you're going to have a sinful nature, and you're gonna, they're going to be this path. But listen to this. I want you to know that every time you fail, I'm here to lend a hand and lift you back up. And it is my grace 
It allows you to keep coming and keep getting transformed in this process. Because, listen, here's what else it does. See, if God is only an angry judge, and this is how we perceive him, a lot of people, then it's you do this or else. Here's what happens. We might do it, but we only do it out of fear. But when we see God as a God going, even if you fail me and betray me, I will love you. Like Jesus on the cross Hey, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they do. Let me show you this grace you've never experienced in this life. That no matter how many times you fail, I will believe in you and I will be there for you. And every time you fail, if you repent, you come back to me. Open arms or wait. You know what happens inside of the heart of humanity when you get the grace of God is? God, I don't want to take advantage of that. Right? Like, so now what happens is it's no longer this religious where, like, I've got to do it. It's like, no, no, I actually want to change. And so the first thing you're taking note is God goes, I'm going to give you my grace because you need it. And I'm also going to give you my grace and patience so that you can actually be motivated to want to change and not be forced to change out of fear, but you can be motivated to change out of love. And let me tell you something. The grace of God is foundational for you to achieve who God created you to do. And I got to rush for time. Here's the second thing I want us to understand is that God also gave us his power. And I want you to think about this. One of the worst things in the world is when a leader comes to you and says, go do this and doesn't equip you to do it. Anybody ever boss like that? None of my staff better raise their hands. I'm looking. <clears throat> but if you ever work for someone and they're like, hey, I want you to go do this. Okay, how? I'm not going to tell you how. I'm not going to give you the staff and the people. I just expect you to reach the goal. Like it, it's, it, it's exhausting. It's not fulfilled. You can't sustain it. Listen, listen to what God did for you. Remember the goal. What's it? To transform you, to be like Jesus. So the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in who? Me. You. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, listen to this. He's going to give life to those mortal, that broken body that God's transforming by the same spirit living within you. God goes, let me tell you something. I'm not just going to tell you, give you grace. I'm going to give you power. I'm actually going to move my presence in you and to replace your anxiety with my peace and, 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 and your anger with my love and, and, your, and your lack of self-control. And I, I can't, I don't have the power to do it with my power to, to overcome everything because I want to give you the tools to become like my son. I'm not just going to paint this picture of what you can be. I'm going to empower you to who you can be. So I will move in you talking about like a life coach, right? Like I'm gonna move inside of you to give you my DNA and my power, the same thing that raised Christ to the dead. So there's not a single Christian in this world that can ever go, I can't do it. My mom's this way, my grandma's this way. It's generational, it's who I will always be. No, because the spirit of God that raised Christ to the dead is in you and that power is greater than anything your mother and father gave you. Any past in your life. And, and I love this because God, what's the purpose? What do you see? Hey, I'm going to give you grace because it's through the, it's the kindness of God that makes you want to repent or turn into who God called you to be. I'm going to give you the power because you can't do it on your own and you need me. The third thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the wisdom, God's word. Look at this. All scriptures inspired by God. And here's, it's useful. It's part of the process to teach us what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It gives us the ability of going right or wrong to navigate our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. Meaning it kind of, you're reading the Bible, you're seeing that, right? And God's like, hey, that's not the way you should have talked to your wife. Just telling you right now, do I have to say sorry? Uh, yes, okay, 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 I get that. Hey, that's not how you should have treated your employee. Hey, your priorities are off. I love, God goes, God says, I'm there constantly speaking my word, giving you the wisdom for success in life. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. God uses this, this to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Did you know that you have access in God's word to the knowledge and the wisdom of the creator of the universe who prepares you and is equipping you and getting you ready 
to do what God has called you to do. And the last and not least, the third, the fourth thing is this, let us not neglect meeting together. It's the church, as some people encourage one another, especially now the day of his return drawing near. What is he saying? Hey, I, I gave you my spirit for power. I gave you my grace so that you could like get up when you fail. I gave you my wisdom that you need to navigate and I gave you my community because you need that encouragement in your life. By the way, there's some people here that go, I don't need the church, I'm good on my own. Well, let you talk to God about that. Because I guarantee you this says you will never become who God fully created you to be without a community around you to help you do that. One of the greatest parts of my life in transformation was I had some men in my life to challenge me when I needed it, to encourage me when I needed it, to call out things when I need it, not in a judging, right? What are we talking about? To help me become. And I'm telling you right now, you might be able to stay where you're at without the church. I'm not even sure about that, but you will never fully become who you can be without the church because God created you for this. What is it? What, am I, what are you saying? What is it saying? What is the path? What is God saying over and again? I love this. I, I, you can become like my son, but I give you my spirit for power, my wisdom and my word, my church to hold you up and my grace when you fail. Because I created you to become like Jesus, and I want to help you do that. See, I remember when I was um, in my early 20s, and I, I remember the moment where this kind of all kind of came in. You guys have heard this story, so I'll be quick. And what I remember about this, this, this moment was I kind of looked in the mirror. I still remember this, and I looked in the mirror, and I didn't like what I saw. And I don't mean my face or body. I meant who I was. And I was broken on the inside. And when you're broken on the inside, by the way, it always manifests on the outside. So my relationships were broken. My life was broken. Everything I did, because nothing on your inside will ever stay on the inside. It will always flow out to the outside. And I remember this moment in my life just going, God, I don't like who I am. And I have no excuse. I know the right thing. I just chose not to do it, right? Like, I don't deserve your love or grace. In fact, I deserve everything I have in my life right now. And I remember the story of the prodigal son, the grace of God where God just gave this grace to this boy that didn't deserve it and hugged him and threw a party and loved him. And I remember at that moment in my life, I remember in tears on my knees going, God, I don't understand how you love me because I couldn't love my, I don't even love me. How could you, like, how could you, like, how could you actually love me? Do you see what a mess I am? And I remember just wrestling with the grace of God in a way I'd never experienced and it became personal to me. And I remember that moment saying, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life helping other people discover your grace like I have discovered. I was 22. I remember it. Never forget it. And I remember going, okay, God, I need to get on this journey. And I started this process, right? And in this process, um, it wasn't overnight. I still remember having a horrible temper. I still remember being selfish. I remember failing over and over and over again. I'm not even going to share what because my boys are listening and they'll use it against me. And, and I, I remember this, this season, and I, go, and I went into this process. Okay, God, I need your grace. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, I need to study your word. I started studying the Bible sometimes six hours a day because they need to let the truth of God just go penetrate all the lies I taught myself and the world that taught me. I, I, I needed to be surrounded by God's spirit and filled with it. How do, how do you do that, by the way? I, I began to worship the Lord. I, I began to pray more. I began to surrender to God's spirit, let him lead. I remember um, that I surrounded myself at a church and just got everything I could be at, I was at. I needed good, godly men in my life to challenge me and encourage me. And I remember as I was walking through this that God started to change me. Like I wasn't who I used to be. And, and I was thinking about this, and I was looking at this life, because that was almost 25 years ago, okay? And I'm looking at my life, and I'm thinking about this. I was preparing this message, and I was like, wow, God, 
Like, I'm still a work in progress. I mean, last week, I'm like, hey, God, forgive this and forgive that and forgive this. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, help me here. Like, I'm not there yet. But as I'm looking back at my life, I'm going, God, thank you so much for doing the work in me. Thank you so much for looking at me and loving me where I was at, but going, no, 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 but I believe in you, and I want to, if you will let me, Scott, I will change who you are. And there I am now going, God, thank you so much that my children love the last name that I give them and the reputation. Because that, not, that would not have been the case if I had stayed where I was at. God, I'm so, I'm, so, I'm so grateful for your peace in a world that's so crazy you've given. God, thank you for the ability to learn to rest because my faith in you is so strong for my future that I can enjoy my family and the blessings of now. God, thank you so much for dealing with the garbage and the bondage that was in then so now I walk free in authority now. God, thank you so much for teaching me the authority I have in your son and in prayer because I'm, I'm speaking it and living in it now. Thank you so much for teaching me about marriage and relationships and repentance and forgiveness or we wouldn't even have a family Right now, I'm living in your favor and your blessing. God, thank you that one day in heaven, when, when I see you face to face, that the rewards I will now experience because of your faithfulness, God, thank you for what you've done. God, thank you for the privilege to not just get caught up in this world, but, but help build your kingdom on earth. God, thank you and thank you. I'm just thinking about this, and here's why I'm thinking about this. Because this is what God wants for you. Can I, can I give you this encouragement? Because sometimes people see people on a stage and they go, oh, listen, listen. I am not special. My mom and dad are right there. They'll tell you. My teachers from high school are here. They will tell you. Like, I'm not special. I am no different than you. And my heart as I was preparing this as we come to a close is really just this. Is that God has invited you in. He, he, he's invited you in as your father because he loves you. To say, will you let me like, would you just surrender to my spirit and fill? Would you just open up my word and let it penetrate your heart? Would you get in the community, the small groups that you need? You can't do this on your own. Would you enjoy the grace that I have for you? Because if you will let me, I will take you on this journey and I will transform who you are. And one day you will look back and who you will see in the mirror is not who you are. It is someone so much greater than you could ever imagine because it's not a better version of you. You will be transformed in the image of his son. And this is what God has for you. This is your purpose. And no matter how far you are or how many times you failed on the journey, I failed thousands of times on the journey. God will never give up on you. And as long as you will stay, he will transform you into your purpose and you will be like Jesus. Let me close with this and I want to pray this over you. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. They can see who God is and they can see who you can be. For the Lord is spirit. And wherever the Lord is, there's freedom. You can walk in freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect what? The glory of the Lord. We reflect it. That's who you become. And I love this last verse. And the Lord who is spirit makes you more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the life you have spoken over these people today. God, I just pray right now that you help them see what you want to do in them, that they filter that through a father who loves them and wants to transform, not so that he can love them, but because he does love them. 
And God, I just pray right now that there will be people that will begin to surrender to you all over these auditoriums and realize, God, I need you to take control. I need you to lead my life. I need to be filled with your word. I need to surrender to your spirit. I need to be in your church. I need to enjoy your grace. And God, take them on the journey. Transform them. Set them free. May they walk in the authority and the peace and the power. May they look in the mirror one day and be proud of what you've done in their lives. May their children be honored to call them mother and father. May their employees love the work and the culture that they have created. May, may they walk in the joy and the significance of building your kingdom on this earth. God, may we all see you as the father who's inviting us in, that loves us who we are, but loves us too much to leave us who we are. God, let's all get to work and experience your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.